there! As a quick heads up, the following show is not a replacement for proper medical help, counseling, or medication. It's a program where we talk about depression, anxiety disorders, and other forms of mental illness. It's a safe space where we can reflect and make sense of this big, big world. If you are in need of immediate assistance, please seek attention or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. If not, just chill out and enjoy the show. And remember, everything is going to be okay. Thanks. Welcome to the Enemy Vaccine Podcast, live from Denton, Texas. Here's the dude with the hosting gig, Angel Garcia. Hey there, welcome back, or if this is your first time, come on in. This is the Enemy Vaccine Podcast, I'm Angel. We have a couple things on the schedule here today, but before we get to that, some apologies. It's been a very busy couple of weeks and depression reared its ugly head again. The holidays are rough and I'm not a big fan of them, and it doesn't help that I work retail. So yeah, I'm trying to get these done as fast as possible, so if you will, please bear with me. And on a more positive note, quick shout out to everyone who listened to the first episode because the feedback was just amazing. I felt like the prettiest girl at the prom. So thanks for that. Now depression is a monster and it affects me and the ones I love every day. So hopefully today's episode helps with that. So, now to the show. This week we're talking about how depression works. Think of it as a very sad but informative episode of how it's made. So, let's go. Major symptoms of depression are Changes in sleep, changes in appetite, itchy and watery eyes, lack of concentration, low testosterone, loss of energy, lack of interest, boo-boo butt, low self-esteem, hopelessness, competitive juggling, changes in mood, uncontrollable hankerings for human flesh, and physical aches and pains. Okay, some of those were made up. But which ones? In all seriousness, we're going to categorize and expand on some of the things we talked about last episode and hopefully give a better picture on the overall monster that is depression. See, depression has many faces, but for the sake of simplicity and time limits in the episode, we're going to bring them down to two. Chemical and situational. Because I'm a bit of a narcissist, let's talk about the chemical first, which is, well, the one I have. This type of depression is the kind that is out of your control. A lot of people simply have a genetic tendency to it. It runs in families, and I'm pretty sure it runs in mine. And this is not meant to be demeaning. It's just kind of how things are sometimes. It's like your brain isn't functioning at 100%. Chemicals and synapses aren't wired up properly. The scientists inside your head is taking too many breaks or just didn't receive the training it sounds pretty bad it kind of is but there is hope there are many ways to connect the wires and to get you functioning to full capacity there's medicine there's therapy there's groups 
And sometimes all you need is for somebody to tell you that you're the best, that you're awesome, that you're pretty, that you're handsome. That you're really good at your favorite thing to do in the world. That you're talented. That you're funny. It can come from anybody. Your family. Your friends. Someone you love. Someone you just met. You can see it in the eyes of a dog when it looks at you. Or that weird apathy cats have. Where it's like, eh, you're around. <laughs> it can be from a complete stranger. Sometimes all you need is for somebody to tell you that you're worth something. That your life has value. That makes all the difference in the world sometimes. It's not easy living with this. But it is manageable. Sometimes you just need a little push to get you there. Situational depression is the type of depression that most people have. It is triggered by life events that deeply affect a person. An estimated 16 million American adults, that's almost 7% of the population, has had at least one major depressive episode last year. People of all ages, all racial, ethnic, and socioeconomic backgrounds can experience depression, but it does affect some groups of people more than others. Women are 70% more likely than men to experience depression, and young adults aged from 18 to 25 are 60% more likely to have depression than people aged 50 or older. Financial hardship, death of a loved one, issues with schooling or work, moving somewhere new. Everyone either has or will experience this type of depression. Doctors, teachers, retail clerks, firemen, policemen, even celebrities. Now, how about a little advice? So notice how I said, even celebrities get depression. So here's somebody that I look up to. This is from Oprah's Masterclass series. I know, Oprah, right? He talks about his rise to the top of the wrestling world, then to Hollywood. Yet he dealt with deep depression after he got cut from his pro football team at the beginning of his career. But he got out of it. But most importantly, he had this piece of advice that I believe is key to anyone that has depression. The way he got out was having a little faith in himself. I found that with depression, one of the most important things you could realize is that you're not alone. You're not the first to go through it. You're not going to be the last to go through it. And oftentimes it happens. You just, you feel like you're alone and you feel like it's only you and you're in your bubble. And, and I wish I had someone at that time who who could just pull me aside and, hey, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. So I wish I knew that. Just gotta remember. Hold on to that fundamental quality 
of faith. Have faith. And on the other side of your pain is something good. A little faith is all you need. This advice is key to get out of that deep hole that is depression. And I followed similar advice. And now I'm in the position I'm in. And if you're currently in need, it might just help you out. So just remember, everything is going to be okay. Also, quick note. Oprah, please don't sue me. I think you're really awesome. I just really need the rock clip. Sorry, bye. So, now onto the last part of our story from last episode. It's exactly where we left off. So, hopefully, this story kind of gives you some insight on what it's like living with depression. And we can kind of go forward with the podcast from here. And, well, you'll hear the rest. So, now to our story. Beginnings, part two. When I arrived in my dorm, my family was uber excited. Their son is in college. They even helped me move. When they left, I was beyond excited. See, I remember my first week of college being simply amazing. That party last night was awfully crazy. I wish we taped it. I danced my face off and had this one girl completely naked. Discovering campus, meeting people, discovering local hotspots, it was all pretty great. As far as the social aspects goes, I loved every minute, and when school started proper, it was still pretty freaking awesome. Classes were challenging, we read stuff, like actually read it, and like, we read things that I actually read on my free time, like that's how much fun I had. We read authors I had never known before, I loved it all. Being in a large auditorium, waking up whenever I wanted, going to class in the afternoon, eating at cafeterias, all you can eat. I made it. I was living the dream. I was, I finally had made it to the place where I'd been trying to get to my entire life. It was everything I had wanted and more. 
but then shit went downhill fast. My little cloud came back to haunt me. It began to rain on my parade. And soon, I struggled getting up in the morning. I overate way too much. I would skip class and just be in bed all day. I had no motivation to get up. I had good friends. Hell, I even had money. I had a steady job. A perfect schedule. Everything was pretty great. Yet I couldn't function. See, there's some things that a lot of people, even those that are close to me, don't know. I developed a bit of a drinking problem. I was too depressed to go to class, so I would drink and eat. I spent an entire semester set in a sad, bloated state. When the new year came up for the next semester, I stopped drinking so much, and I thought I'd put my life together again. Yeah, but that's not how it works. Soon I found myself in same habits once again. The worst part of it was that I hit it really well. I hit it so well that people really close to me didn't know. To get an idea, I figured we'd talk to an expert. Hi, I'm Amy and I'm Angel's girlfriend. We've been dating for almost four years. Actually, technically we've been dating four plus years now. This interview was done a while ago. But, you know, no one's counting. Do you remember how we met? Yeah, of course. Uh, we met through a mutual friend, and you and I became like friends really fast, and we had class together, and then we started dating a couple months afterwards. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how's the relationship been? Uh, I mean, we were both like pretty young, and I think we were like pretty in love from like the beginning. Um, do you remember when I went to college? Yeah. Uh, do you remember, um, I used to journal every night, and, like, in my journals, like, for months, because you left, you left for college in August, but, like, the March before that, like, that was, like, the beginning of, he's going to college, he's going to college, what's gonna happen, (laughs) and it was just, like, um, like, you could see, like, the anxiety building, and I remember, like, like, I saw you, like, the day you left, and, like, that night, like, I had, like, uh, my brother's dog sleep in my room so that I wasn't, like, alone. Oh, how long did we do the long distance thing? About a year. Okay. And was it hard? Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So, um, what was the hardest part? Um, I think, like, the hardest part was... Like, you're my best friend, and, like, especially, like, in high school. Like, you know, you were still there, like, when I was a junior, and you were pretty much the only person I hung out with. And then it was my senior year while you were away, and I kind of had to, like, make new friends. And it was my senior year, and it was, like, time to have fun, and I kind of had to, like, start over a little bit and, you know, get used to, like, being without you. Did you ever notice any odd behavior before I left? No, I mean, I was pretty oblivious.
um, I thought we were really happy, you know, like, I, I liked talking to you every night, and, like, I knew, I knew that things were hard, but I thought it was, like, your average, like, first year of college struggle, and, like, I thought, like, I thought you were, like, kind of down your first semester, and, like, your second semester, like, I thought you were a lot happier, and, like, that was not what happened. <laughs> so would you say I hit it well? Yeah, I remember... I don't know if I'm, like, jumping ahead too early with this or not, but, like, I remember, like, the night you told me that, like, you were going to counseling and were on medication and stuff, like, I think that conversation started because I was telling you how proud I was and how I thought you were doing better, and I remember, like, how you were flipping shit at, like, the beginning of the year, and, like, I thought you were doing a really good job. So, could you explain, like, the flood of emotions that came when I told you I was depressed? Um, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember, um, it was just so weird, just how much you hid from me, and how much I still didn't know, and still, and still don't know, and... Um, like, I felt a lot of guilt because I thought you were, um, I thought you were, like, down because we were apart, and I thought that, like, you wouldn't have felt this way if you had never started dating me. Oh, no. And, you know, like, like, I knew ultimately, like, that wasn't true, and, like, like, I have a lot of faith in, like, our relationship and, like, our love. And, like, I know that you help me grow and I feel like I do the same for you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, when like when you get punched in the nose, you gotta, like, make sense of what happened. And I, I just, I just had no idea what was, like, what was going on. And, like, I... You know, so I, like, I felt, like, a lot of, like, obligation to you and your well-being. You know it's not your fault, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know it's not my fault, and, like, I, and I know that now, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do with those emotions at the time, and I felt like maybe I could have taken care of you better. So, um, could you explain what it is to live with me now? Um... Knowing that I'm depressed. Yeah. I think it's it's still, like, hard. Because, because I remember when you told me, you know, back then, and that was, like, years ago, how you were like, oh, I don't want anyone to treat me differently. And so you had, like, you hid it very, very purposely. And there were some times where I knew that you were hiding things. and And I had to let you. And, I mean, even this year, like, when you, like, get out of bed early, like, I knew that you were, like, going to the clinic. And, like, I knew that you were, like, getting medicine. And, like, I never, like, asked you to tell me because, like, like, I could respect that if you didn't want to talk about it. And, like, you didn't even, like, tell me until recently. And it was very, like, you know, be, you know, 
was like, oh, medication. I was like, yeah, thanks for telling me. Cause yeah, you I, jerk. <laughs> I'm petty. That's who I am. Oh, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> love you, though. I love you, too. Okay. So, how do you think it's affected our relationship? I mean, like, we're both adults now. Mm-hmm. Like, we both know how to cope better. But, like, I think, um, I just want you to, like, feel, like, a lot of, like, love and support all the time. Because, like, I know you do bottle things up. And so, like, if I let you, like, subtly, like, release it, like, a little bit at a time, then you don't explode the way you used to. And Could, could you explain how it used to explode? Yeah, um... Do you remember last year? Oh, actually, around this time last year. Mm-hmm. And things were, like, really, really hard then. And I remember, um... You really wanted to die. And you really, um... Broke down. And... Um... You know, like, I've always, like, been really, really good at emergency situations. Being around people when they're having episodes or having a breakdown isn't something that's new to me. But with you, it was so hard. And because, like, you're, like, you're my strength. And, like historically like i have been like very like emotional and like prone to like i'm i'm fragile and you're not <laughs> and um it was just kind of a weird role reversal and and that's okay and and like i want you to always be able to break down if you have to like you have a right to that but at the time i didn't know what to do and I just felt for you so much and I just didn't want you to hurt and so you were crying and I was holding in my tears and then I physically like I like physically could not do it and I like vomited like I was just (laughs) I was just so stressed and anxious because (laughs) here's this person I love so much and like I would take like all your hurt away if I could like I would carry it all. Thanks, kiddo. I love you. I love you, too. Here, give me a hug. Okay, we're done. I hid everything from everyone. In all honesty, one of the main reasons that it took so long for me to release this episode was just the anxiety to bear it all. I was nervous about the fact of releasing my story and if anyone would care. Showing what was the lowest point of my life through the lens of the person I love. At the end of the day, I saw it necessary and in order to help people, but in a more selfish way, in order to help myself move on from that day and move forward. 
Like Amy said, I decided to go to the school's counseling sessions in order to try to figure stuff out. And after a couple of sessions, I was diagnosed. I distinctly remember the face the counselor made. We had a friendly, almost joking rapport, and then she asked me to take this test after a couple of sessions. When she read the results, she gave me a whole lot of info about outside groups and hotlines, and she even gave me the number that you hear at the beginning of the show. Soon after, I went to the school psychiatrist, and then I went to a physician, and I got on medication. And kind of the rest is history. I now live with this every day. I take medication. I should go to the doctor more often, but I do go on occasion. It isn't easy. I struggle most mornings, but not every morning. And the lows really suck, but gosh, those highs make it so worth it. Every once in a while, the thoughts come back. But I realize I'm not alone. And much like Dwayne The Rock Johnson said, all you need is a little faith. Faith in that things will go well. And as cheesy as that sounds, if you're in a tough spot, you need to realize you're not alone and that your life has meaning. Hopefully my story helps you recognize that you can reach what you may consider bottom and that you can always stand up and look forward and keep going. Thanks for listening to my story and hopefully it helped. Now that you guys know my story, let's try to make a new one. Let's try to help some people, which is what this podcast is all about. So let's try to keep this streak going. Eight more episodes are on their way, and hopefully they're good ones. See you next time. Well, there it is. Second episode is in the can. The beginning series is done. And now we can move on to episodes that actually describe what it's like living with depression, how to get resources, and so on and so forth. Hopefully this episode was informative, and if you have any other questions, email me. All statistics came from NAMI.org. They're a great resource for folks with mental health issues. I definitely recommend it. That's where I found a lot of the stuff I ever needed. And... It's a pretty cool website. So, implying all goes well, I will see you guys again soon. Please share and tell your friends about this little show so we can help some more people, and so on. Before I go, if you would, allow for my shameless plugs. Please, please, please email us at enemyvaccine at outlook.com. If you have any questions or just need someone to talk to, please hit me up on email. The Twitter is designed to post stuff you might like and to promote the show. So please follow us there, at Enemy Vaccine. And while you're at it, give me a follow, at El Pando Morte. Special thanks to NAMI.org for the informative information, and for just kind of being there for me. Special thanks to Amy, who recorded the disclaimer this week, and gave the interview for the show. I'm going to owe her a lot of candy and ice cream. And a special thanks to you for listening. Why, do you ask? Because why not? Remember, your life has value. Well, that's the show. My name is Angel. Hopefully we meet again. And remember, everything is going to be okay.